We sincerely apologize for the offense caused, at least acknowledge it was offense caused. Um, on reflection, it was not a good decision to repost, and it certainly does not reflect the views and beliefs of IBC. I'm sorry, you, you, that, that, that's weasel. That's, you, you don't get to say that. No, no. If you, if you put it out if, under, if you put under it your out banner, there, then it's, it's reflective of your, of your business. Of your sense of humour. With over 25 years in the field, Cryer Malt has been bringing you the best local and imported malts. They are your premium brewing partner and they are also very proud supporters of Brews News. This is Good Brews Week, our weekly podcast which keeps you up to date with all the news that's fit to print. I'm your host Pete Mitchum and joining me just across the table, it's Matt Kuhigar. G'day Matt. G'day Pete mate, just wanted to get a little bit of... There we go, cheers. No coffees. It's no coffee. Six o'clock at night, we've just bumped in for the exhibition and uh, you're staying in the Pilsner Suite. The Pilsner Suite of the Casa del Kierkegaard. <laughs> yes. So it's uh, lovely to have you here, our, our yearly... Uh, Mate, know, I've got to say, thing. in all honesty, I really, I, I was I was like a, I don't know, I was giddy as a schoolgirl. Um, <laughs> couldn't sleep last night. I actually do get quite excited because, and I was saying to somebody, um, I was, when I was speaking to Jane Lewis off, off mic, when I recorded her follow-up for... Um, Great for chat, Dry by the way. Dry. Thank you. Um, she did you know, most of the good stuff, to be fair. Um, but I was sort of saying, we, we, we got talking about, you know, why we do the things that we do and... Um, I don't know if it's public knowledge. I can probably let it out now that um, Jane is actually this 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 year stepping away from her role as a, a judge with the Indies to be a steward. Ah, yeah, what is she's that? Uh, she's just very keen to. It's one of those things. It's kind of about supporting the industry, but it's also about um, recognise. Uh, yeah, not re- secret boss. The way none, she's going to still no, go no, under no, the no, not undercover boss. <laughs> undercover no, boss. none of that. No, it, it really is. And we, we we'd spoken about this a number of times before. It's just getting that appreciation for what it is like on the other side. Uh, and I think speaking to a lot of people who have who have gone from the steward side of things, the back of house to front of house, you do get a far better, a, a, a more genuine understanding. Of, of how it, hard it is, but also... It's it's the duck's feet underwater. Yeah, it, yeah. It, when, when you're stewarding, it really is the bit where... If an iceberg had duck feet, because <laughs> well, there's this massive thing going on backstage and it's just making it look seamless. And, and, and look, judges are some of the best pallets in the country, arguably the best pallets in the country. But if the back of house isn't running smoothly, no beer is going to be judged fairly. No, that's it. And too long a gap between beers or between flights. Um, and look, you always get the, the occasional non-normal where something's either been misplaced, mislabeled, um, it, it, there's a simple error. Uh, there, can be, there can be delays. Uh, sometimes you might have, with a particular keg product, you might have dramas with the, with the seller system and, and those sort of things come about. But it was terrific that, that Jane um, had sort of said to me, this time last year, I think, at the Indies in Sydney, um, that she she was really keen to do it. And then, I guess, apropos her dry July, you know, she said, well, I've got to put my money where my mouth is. I said I would do this. Can you make it happen? So we're going to make it happen. And she's going to be just a, a humble steward. Awesome. That's, um, that's very exciting. And, and obviously there are integrity issues in terms of, obviously, I wouldn't ask her to pour and present her own beer. Of course. 
to somebody she knew, or and you know, they, but all those things are they, they, they well can be they, they can be managed. But, uh, but look, and that's really exciting. So I think we're going to have to do a follow up follow up with Jane um, after after stewarding the life so, of a steward. Yeah, so, from rooster to feather duster, because she's you know got from head judge of the um, Western Australian Beer Awards uh, to, to being a maybe Jane should become our you know like. The the the, the, the presenter. Mole? No, no, no. The, Lawyer the, X. But but whenever the so, insider. Whenever we need to experience something, um, you know, <laughs> but we don't want to do want, it ourselves. We don't want to do it we'll ourselves. Make Jane do it. So you go do dry July, Jane, <laughs> and you tell us what it's like. <laughs> um, you you go learn what it's like to sort of clean the sewers in a uh, in, 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 in well, a brewery. I was, I was thinking maybe you go and pre-vet uh, an ABAC. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, application, okay. yeah, for, Maybe, for labelling okay. or something like that. Yeah, or perhaps you know, sit on the, an A Triple C um, inquiry, perhaps. Absolutely. But anyway, so what I was getting at was I was talking to Jane about this, and uh, I said, yeah, we, we both had very similar uh, viewpoints that when you, I guess, brand yourself as a as a good beer ambassador, there are certain things that you just want to do, and for me, the Ecker. It's, it's giving back to the industry that's given me so much. So for me, it's that opportunity to face-to-face, you know, um, eyes meeting over a beer kind of thing with people who, <laughs> with, who yet, are not inside our sphere of influence, who are not inside our the, circle. The grain unwashed is the wrong way to put it, but they're, they're people that may not have... You know, what do you normally the, drink, mate? I like draft. But I, it's like, also, I like that Greg Norman. I mean, no, what is it? Great Northern. Great. <laughs> you know, that, that kind of thing. But, and we get so many of those. But the other thing for me is it's a real barometer for how beer is going outside of the bubble. Um, and the, the only reason we're at the exhibition again is because six years ago, we just sort of backed that there is demand for craft beer. There is a reason that craft beer should be there. And we took a punt and so said, yeah, that, that there is a market for it. We've sort of grown a little bit every year, a little bit every year, a little bit every year. But every year the people that come in, it's not, oh, is this homebrew? Yeah, what do, you mean, oh, what do you mean by craft oh, beer? Is, yeah. that, is that homebrew, is it? And, yeah. it, it, and it's, yeah, so, so that's completely changed. So it's really exciting. And now so, those, same, those same blokes, you know, six years later, are coming and going, uh, what, do you got, what do you got new this year? Now, is it I tried that I tried that pink mist last year. What, what's the name of the, our, our, the, the old fellow that is... Oh, um, Ken. Ken. Ken, who... You know, 95, he'll be 96, 96 this year, year if I he turns up. He'll be there. <laughs> yeah, he'll, he'll be, be there. there. <laughs> Knock on wood. Um, but you know, he, he's got the sort of uh, crawler now, the um, you know, the, the stool. Crawler. <laughs> Zimmer frame. It, no, it's, no, it's a walker. It's, it's on wheels and a walker. It's a, yeah, um, and it's it, but it's a, got a mobility seat, aid. But it's got a seat. It's got a seat. He, pulls, um, he, he rolls up to us. Pulls up, pulls up a few, quite literally. He does. And then has a couple of beers and then goes off and checks the chicken exhibit and stuff like that. But That's it. Uh, and then comes yeah, back for first a, year, you know, a roadie. Introduce him to uh, Feral, Feral Hot Hog. It was. And he's got, oh... Oh, this oh, is pretty good, right. isn't it? Not, what, not, you, what have you drunk normally? You know, and it was he was a four X gold drinker or four X yeah. bitter, you know, like dyed in the wall, just you know, ten overs, none for forty, line and length Australian pale lager, and now he comes in and goes, you know, oh, I'll try that. I'll what do you got that. this year? Yeah. And last year he was sitting on the. Um, I think he did have some Revel Pale. He likes yeah. he likes an American style pale. pale like yeah, he likes a little bit of hops. Yeah. But I think it was a, one of the mid strengths that he was uh, sort of on a little bit. Oh, last year. he was too. Was he it was. The, your Monday? The Monday Pale. pale. Your Monday so, Pale. Yeah. Anyway, yes. Yeah, so, so we're at the exhibition. That, that's enough. Uh, let, let's get on with the news. I think, Pete. That, let's get straight into it. But before we do that, what do you think of America, Matt? 
I know someone who hates America. <laughs> well, he doesn't hate America, and you'll get us into trouble. But the, the, the first story is last week the Indies, um, sorry, the, the Brucon um, program was announced. Was announced, and mate, I, I have to say that I had advanced notice because we are the official podcast of Brucon. Um, we're going to have the Brucon green, the green room, at, uh, thanks to Bintani, our good friends at Bintani. A green room upstairs, overlooking the mezzanine. Haven't I told you this? No. So overlooking the mezzanine. Breaking news, folks. You know when you've got like a um, the, the, the big hall? Yeah. And then there's one of those windows. Yeah, yeah. the mezzanine. The window, yeah. Yeah. We've got one of those. Oh, that's where the studio that, is now, not studio. down on the floor. No, no, look, looking oh, down onto the... Okay. And so we've got uh, access. So we, anyway, so, so, we, so um, podcast listeners, we are going to have the... Best coverage of Brucon ever. We're going to have. Uh, don't make that an excuse for. Oh well, I don't need to go now because you're still. No, 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 no absolutely. You'll still get so much a- out of it. Absolutely, because um, and and that's the big thing. But and I it, guess particularly for our prosumers, our our average punter. I reckon anyone that's planning on opening a brewery, those that we haven't talked out of, <laughs> yeah, those, those listeners, and you know who you are, listeners who have told us that you, we've talked you out of opening a brewery. Um, you need to get to to Brucon, but um. It's in it Melbourne is, this year, first it, week of September. It, it's uh, yeah, um, third, the, third, fourth. The program Fifth. was incredibly impressive. Um, like you, you've got a little bit of everything, but they have some really, really. You know, they haven't just gone to who are the rock star brewers in America that we you know, people come. It's a very thoughtful program, and it's a really, really it's a particular. The, the program each year, Matt, for me. Um, and I'm honoured and privileged and lucky enough to be co-hosting with Kiralee Walton. So we get to, I guess, see, you know, see the program and, and, and see every, you know, we get to go to every, between the two of us, we get to go to every um, every seminar. The breadth and, mm. and depth um, and the variety of, of topics covered, speakers, experience, you know, all that sort of stuff is just incredible. This year... Every year it stepped up a little bit. Yeah. This is like... I, I, this I is shift. a quantum leap. And I think all kudos to everyone at the IBA and Good Beer Week because this, this will be the first mm-hmm. incarnation of uh, the combined entity of Good Beer Week and, and the IBA doing a brewcon. So there's all of that experience of 10 years of Good Beer Weeks have been brought to bear with the IBA in creating a magnificent program. Um, and like you say, it's been great in years past, but this isn't just, oh, it's that little bit better again. I think this is this is a quantum leap. Yeah, and so, I mean, as a, as a beer journalist, as a beer writer, two of my absolute favourite um, beer writers um, are coming down. And, and two, guests Pete to, Brown. two guests of the podcast. Two guests, regular guests of the podcast, or semi-regular, um, as it turned out. Because one is Pete Brown, um, one of the best authors, you know, the, the Bill Bryson of beer um, is, is yep. a fair way to, yep. to describe him. And the second is Stephen Beaumont, who, when when was the last time we had Stephen Beaumont on the podcast, Pete? Uh, when his beer companion came out, I reckon. I would have said eight months ago. How long? For longer than eight months. Ten months. Tw- 18 months. How long is it? 2015. Wow. 20, oh, that, 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 that's what I said. Yeah. Because. Okay. No, it felt no, no, like no, I, I, I would have sworn it was last year. And it was when he'd written a post about every beer is these days an IPA. Yeah. So it was 2015. Um, so I, I caught up with wow. him. So we were talking about what's an IPA yeah. back in 2015. Well, well no, because remember he said that was, that was when you've got session IPAs. You've got. This was before Neepers had taken yeah. off and all yeah. of that. So that's how long ago. Anyway. 
I um, caught up with him very quickly in Canada. It was 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night um, when I caught up. It was so the 12 hours difference. So just want to have a quick chat because his presentation is going to be called I'm So Bored with the USA, um, with the United States. And without giving too much away, we had a little bit of a dance around what he's going to be talking about because it is a really, really great... I, I think it's anyone who is looking at a marketing plan or a brewing schedule needs to hear. So his presentation alone will be worth listening worth to. Worth price of admission. And he's just my uh, six to seven minutes talking to Stephen Beaumont a, a little bit about what locality and provenance means. Stephen Beaumont, welcome back to Radio Brews News and to Brews News Week. Well, it's, it's good to be back after, what, it was three long years since three we last Three or four years. Yeah. Well, we have been podcasting for 10 years, so it's one of those things, the longer you go on, the shorter the time seems to be. But well, I'm, I'm pleased to have the opportunity to get you back on because uh, we certainly have been wanting to have you on and uh, certainly on more regularly than we have. But more importantly, we're soon going to welcome you to Australia. Yes, and it's about bloody time. <laughs> I uh, This is one of those things that, you know, you, you get something on your to-do list and it just sits there long enough that it becomes stagnant and you don't even notice it anymore. Well, Australia, sadly, has been... One of those things. It's a, a trip that I've been wanting to make for a long time, and I just keep finding reasons to go somewhere else or do something else. And, and poor Australia sits there unattended. So now I'm finally getting over there. But that brings in a, a, an interesting aspect to what you'll be talking about when you do come to Brucon, because Australia is literally the antipodes. It's on the other side of the world. You can fly for six hours and not leave the country. Um, and to, to go just about anywhere, uh, you, you're looking at a seven to eight hour flight. So we are very accustomed to having to travel to to visit Europe or, 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 the, or the US, but it's a much harder destination for people to get to when you're used to shorter travel times. Well, you know, it's, uh, it, it's a bit of that. Um, you know, I've, I've been I've, in the time that since we last spoke, I've been to uh, China um, you know, I've been over to New Zealand. Um, it's not it's not the length of the trip that scares me. It's you want to make it work. Right. So you don't want to be going over for three or four days. Yeah. Uh, whereas, you know, I'll go to Europe for three or four days. Uh, I'll go down into the U.S. for a weekend. Um, it's a much more of a commitment when you're coming all the way over to Australia. I mean, 24 hours in the air. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but, but because of that, we are quite isolated, and it, it, it's one of the issues that we've looked at um, locally. Is you know, as a rule, beer shouldn't travel, and it certainly, unless it's very, very well cared for, shouldn't be travelling this far. And you'd think that Australia would be developing its own unique beer styles, and it'll be interesting to see when you get here, what you think of uh, Australian beer styles, because your topic is, I'm so bored with the USA, and yet so many brewers look to the USA for inspiration. That had its point. Uh, there was certainly a stage in craft beer development around the world where it made sense for everyone to look to the USA, because all you had to do was have a cursory understanding of that marketplace, and you knew it was going crazy. You know, double-digit growth, huge increases in the number of breweries. And if you're you know, an Italian brewer or a Mexican brewer or a Brazilian brewer or an Australian brewer, you look to the States and you go, well, I'm going to use that as my template because they're successful. It'll make me successful. It just makes sense. 
And, and what have you noticed? Because you are the uh, co-author um, of the World Atlas of Beer, um, and you, you spend a lot of your year traveling and tasting beer right around the world. So what have you noticed um, recently that you'll be uh, talking to, to discussing during the, uh, the presentation at BrewCon? Well, my, my presentation is, you, you mentioned it, it's called I'm So Bored with the USA, obviously the title of the, the Clash song. Um, and it's about getting past that American hegemony in craft beer, uh, looking beyond just, okay, we've got to make an American-style pale ale, we've got to make uh, an American-style IPA, we've got to make a barreled something or other, um, you know, it's easy to do that, but at the same time, it, it's, it, it makes a lot of sense to look at your own marketplace. And this is what I'm really getting to when I'm talking uh, about that I'm so bored with the USA. It's about developing beer styles, it's about be- developing beer culture that is unique to the place where you live. You've recently been in Ecuador, I've seen from social media, and you spend a lot of time in South America, actually. What do you notice about their cultures compared to other craft beer cultures internationally? You know, the the first Latin American beer market that really struck me was Brazil. And uh, when it did, I found myself going back there pretty much every year for five or six years straight. Um, then came Mexico, then came Argentina, which has had its ups and downs, and and now uh, and then Chile and Ecuador. Um, it's the creativity of the brewers down there that just blows my mind. Uh, I wrote a column um, just a, two days ago for a British co- publication called Brewing Business, and I was talking about the way that Latin American brewers use non-traditional beer ingredients in a way that's a lot different than putting, uh, you know, breakfast cereal or chocolate or coffee or whatever you're putting into um, your beers in the U.S. or the U.K. or Australia. They really, what they're doing is is they're adding these ingredients with intent, and that intent is to create new beverages, not simply a flavored beer of some sort, but something that is absolutely um, without precedent, you know, one beer that strikes my mind that I judged down in uh, in Ecuador, it, it blew me away. It was so delicious. Um, it was an imperial stout with tonka beans and dried mushrooms. Wow! Very odd okay. combination. But my God, it was the the dried mushrooms gave it an earthiness that actually made it taste aged when it wasn't aged. It was really quite a remarkable beverage. And are many places around the world doing that? I, I was struck when I was in Italy a few years ago that the Italian brewing scene, whilst it had drawn heavily on the US, they did seem to have a very distinctive uh, country style. Well, the Italians are, are actually um, my kind of, in, in my presentation, I talk about the Italians as where this whole process of becoming bored with the USA began. Um, and even as the Italian beer consumers were going nuts for IPAs, the Italian brewers were already looking beyond that and to the next thing that they were going to be able to do. Uh, and it, it, you know, there's, there's a lot to this story. And I think there's a lot that um, brewers in what I would describe as adolescent beer cultures like Australia, 
where it's not just kicking off, but it's not quite mature and fully formed yet, um, there's a lot of opportunity for brewers to learn from from these examples that are, are incorporated into the presentation. One of the things that I'll be interested to to get your read on when you do get down here uh, is Australia has an incredibly punitive uh, excise regime, tax culture on on alcohol. So beer is taxed in a volumetric rate. The higher the alcohol, the greater the percentage of tax goes to the government. And that's put a lot of constraints on brewers wanting to make big, bold, high alcohol IPAs. Um, at the same time, we're seeing a lot of talk internationally about the growth of zero alcohol or low alcohol beer. And Australia already has uh, something like 20% of our beer is 3.5% or below, um, largely because of our drinking culture and then also the punitive um, tax regime. Is that one of the local factors that you would be looking to to shape a beer culture? Uh, well, certainly. I mean, you can't avoid taxation as as a defining factor to a, to a degree, at least. I mean, I live in Canada. Um, we have some of the highest beer taxes in the world. Um, so, yes, that that does have an impact. But then you can look to Norway. And how did the Norwegian craft brewers address trying to create really different beers in a marketplace that already sells some of the most expensive beer in the world? Well, they they doubled down. They made it hugely expensive, but really, really good. So they put all their emphasis on providing value for that extra money, and it's made it's made them astonishingly successful. Was there anything else you wanted to say in the lead-up in, in preparation for the um, presentation? As much as I'm looking forward to coming to Australia and I'm looking forward to tasting as much Australian craft beer as I possibly can get my hands on and having a can of Cooper's Sparkling Ale, which <laughs> is terribly exciting to me, um, I'm also really fascinated to see what other people are going to be talking about at the conference. Um, because I, I learn a lot listening to brewers as well. And uh, listening to the presentations, I think, is going to bring a lot uh, to my knowledge base as well. So that, that has me excited. Well, we're very much looking forward to having you down here. As, as uh, we, we said when we last spoke on the podcast, I always enjoy your insights. Um, I'm an avid reader of your columns. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to getting to actually have a beer with you down under. I, I can't wait for it. It's it's it's. It's coming up close, and I'm uh, I'm really anxious to get on the road. That 24-hour flight. See you soon, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sleep well. So yeah, look, that that was Stephen Beaumont. Now I, I think we're just being a little bit loquacious tonight, Pete, because a we've got a beer um, and not a coffee, and secondly we're we're doing it face to face. But let's crack on with the news. So that that was Stephen Beaumont. If you are one of the industry professionals that's listening to this podcast or somebody who has dreams of opening a brewery, you really need to get along to BrewCon. Uh, definitely. Uh, making news this week, Matt. Investigation reveals the alcohol content of fermented soft drinks. Now, I thought soft drinks, Matt, by their very definition, were non-alcoholic. Well, but it they- turns out a Department of Health investigation has found that a significant number, quote, uh, of fermented soft drinks contains alcohol over and above the permitted levels. Now, I didn't realise that I realized a, a like a an alcoholic beverage could be deemed non-alcoholic if it was below 0.05%. I think it's 0.1. 
Well, I think it's point uh, point one. Uh, sorry, one point one five. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's a soft drink can also be. I didn't realize that a soft drink could be could have. Well, any, a soft drink is a non-hard drink, like a non-alcoholic drink. Yeah. So, it, it, you know, it, but it can be up to one point one five percent. So, uh, the department. Uh, of they surveyed kombucha kefir. Is it? Yeah, you, you've got the notes in front yeah, of you. I don't know how it's pronounced. For everyone who's seen, you know, Lethal Weapon Two, <laughs> I'll just dance around this very delicately. But um, uh, kefir, uh, a fermented water-based drink made from kefir grain, um, over the limit. So they found twenty-two point nine percent of the samples of fermented drink kombucha. Uh, had alcohol content higher than one point one five because if it's fermented, it's 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 had yeast sort of you know work, work, in con- the same converting way the sugars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sauerkraut or you know other pickles. all of those things. Now I remember when I was kimchi w- when my kids and I um, went to Bundaberg. We we did the Bundaberg ginger beer tour, and you buy the Bundaberg ginger beer kit. Um, come home and so my youngest daughter Laura wanted to make ginger beer and take it to school. And I could not, you know, again, like I'm not a, I, I know how beer is made, but I'm not a brewer. I'm not a, you know, I, I didn't have a hydrometer, you know, to mm. measure. And I was terrified of sending Laura to school with this fermented ginger beer. Is she in primary school at this point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you're going to get a whole bunch of fourth graders knackered, munted. Grade twoers, you know, because I just couldn't, I saw how much sugar and I saw the yeast and I saw the fermentation take place. And I thought, I, I can't quite understand how this does How is that not create alcohol? alcohol? Yeah. But apparently a lot of people who are doing this professionally... Are also unaware. Well, they'd have to be aware, wouldn't they? No, well, I don't think they are. Or, or they're, 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 kombucha, so we're, apropos of us... Kombucha's got a scoby, so which, yeah. is, which is a... So it's fermented tea. No, it's not. Well, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's ish. Now, we're, we're going to get letters about this because yeah. it, it's, not our cup, it's not our cup of tea. But, um, but it's... And not yeah. the first time we've mentioned tea in this podcast. But it's fermented because I think it's a, it's a, like a bacteria yeast hybrid. Yeah, um, yeah. Is a scoby. But yeah, so, so the, um, the Federal Health Department did a survey and found that because a lot of kombuchas are sold in the supermarkets at zero, you know... They're a soft a, drink. A soft drink. But 41% from memory, because you've got the notes. Um, now, 22.9% of the kombucha had an alcohol content higher than 1.15 and 36.7%... But 41% was over the 0.5. Which over is, 0.5, yeah. yeah. So... Which is a concern. Like, if if you're drinking these as an alternative to alcohol, or if you're drinking them because you're pregnant, um, or for, for for whatever reason, or you're a child, um, you know, orange juice that's in your fridge can have a detectable level of alcohol when it's approached. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's gone through, so so, so so it's not too bad. But it but it is a concern. But more more of a concern we haven't written about this yet is that Queensland Health did a uh, survey where they found that. A number of a significant number of a random sampling of brewers was outside of the 0.3 that I think they're allowed plus or minus plus or minus 0.3 yep, yep. as well. So this is a, a very serious problem, not just for the kombucha industry, but it's something that the brewing industry needs to really take note of. And, and it's something that we keep coming back to on this podcast that if we can't, if we can't self-regulate properly. If we can't sell, someone will come in and do it for someone us. Someone will come and do it for us. But also, we're 
outside of the garage page uh, band phase. We're no longer the scrappy little home brewers that could. This is a serious business. And if you open a brewery, if you sort of take out your excise license, if you, you know, are selling, you are selling a food product um, and you can't just go, well, near enough is good enough because it, it does have tax implications, it's got health implications, yep, all of these 100%. things. And if somebody's buying your 3.5% um, percent mid-strength and it's 38 or 4%, that can have serious ramifications uh, for people. Well, that's um, it. If you end up playing you know, RBT bingo with Mr Plod on the way home from the pub and say, no, I always only ever have two 3.5s over two hours, whatever it might be. And they can and I find know out that, that it's actually... And it's four yeah. or 4.2. And now at the risk of oh, look, three weeks in a row, I'm mentioning somebody else's podcast, but Ian McNally's The Chosen Brew, because I've been catching up on a few episodes. Uh, but he had a chat with Hendo, Rockstar Brewer yep. Academy, a well, good, good friend of this program. Uh, Hendo was mentioned in, in that article. In that article as well. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it came about, this whole thing is like, we have a responsibility to our consumers and to our industry, our community, to make sure that quality has to be, you know, the first priority. The problem is, and Hendo really touched on this, it really rang a bell with me, is that if you make a bad beer, it's not going to kill you. It's not going to harm somebody. It might not taste particularly good. It might be disappointing, but it's not like salami or mm. raw chicken that's got salmonella. It's not going to kill you. It's not going to hospitalise you. It will disappoint you and you might sort of go, oh, yeah. And I wonder whether that kind of stops us from... Uh, I guess taking this more seriously overall I don't know look, am I drawing too long a bow on that oh no look I'm a big believer you know as a journalist I always worry about writing about anything like this because you don't want to harm the industry but at the same time you, there is a bit of a mindset I got away with it this time and you know there, there or been, we're craft brewers. It's kind of expect, it's like a it's like the vintage hey, for a winemaker. It's what, supposed to be. What different. was that question? Oh, it happens with all beers. When we had a podcast. It happens with yeah. all beers. Yeah. And no, beers exploding doesn't happen with all beers, and it shouldn't happen, and it with, shouldn't all happen with any beer. You yeah. Know, it, it, if you've got a packet of pasta and it explodes, you know, it, 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 that's I'm, not, I'm having words <laughs> with, with you know. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, Uncle Ben or San Remo. <laughs> so yeah. So we we, we do need to. Uh, it's something that the industry needs to be aware of and go to BrewCon. We're not sponsored by BrewCon, but this is where you can sort of get your house in order and make sure you're doing things it's right. It's your annual opportunity. Learn something new and contribute. Yep. Exactly. Uh, speaking of uh, complaints about uh, alcohol content, uh, our next story, ABAC dismisses the Carlton Zero radio ad complaint. So an ABAC panel has dismissed a complaint regarding a radio advertisement for CUB's alcohol-free Carlton Zero, bringing into focus the clunky rules regarding non-alcoholic drink advertising undertaken by alcohol producers. <laughs> uh, so the complainant said that even though Carlton Zero had 0.0% alcohol, it was an extension of the highly recognisable Carlton uh, alcoholic beer brand. CUB responded by saying that Carlton Zero should not be subject to ABAC rules because it was, by definition, not an alcoholic beverage. Yeah, and, and, and look, oh God, I'm, I'll never be... And, and that had, was pre-vetted. That, that was pre-vetted. And then held up under examination. There's at least two things about this for me. One is I really admired ABAC because they pointed out that 
the problem with this particular beer is outside of their purview because they it, 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 we're that, supposed to wear the alcohol yeah standard yeah standards um and but they, they did point out that it was quite clunky and that there are issues um and there was a kombucha case recently where the same business had a com- regular kombucha which presumably had no alcohol in it harking back to the last story and then a dirty kombucha that had um alcohol in it added and is an alcoholic kombucha called dirty kombucha dirty butcher yeah i think well that's one brand oh that's that's a brand brand. yeah yeah oh okay sorry um hard it was like a dirty martini is like it's got four olives in it just no 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 regular martini they're still both alcoholic though so just go and see what how much hard cider there is in the u.s at the moment but um yeah, and look, it is a really tough one. And when you do think about it, how do you market something that's got the name of a beer to people, to, to children? Potentially children can sit there and you know, go, go to the Coles or the Woolworths and buy a can off the, off the shelves. But it's got exactly the same brand and image and they can still stand there drinking it next to Dad who's having his... Carlton draft. draft, yeah, and, and 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 look, it is complicated, and I don't know how to think about it. I I, I really don't know how to to process it because on what we talked about in the past, they're not just going to stop making beer because people are drinking alcohol-free beer, but should they brand it the same thing? And I really don't know. I mean, it, it is a really complicated thing that we're going to see over the next year or two. The industry has to confront. It's fraught. Uh, as uh, our next story, venues face fines for selling growlers without a manufacturer's license. Now, this has been around since God's Dog was a pup. So, the deal is that there's nothing new about this. No, venues face fines of up to twenty three thousand one hundred dollars if they offer growlers without an alcohol manufacturer license, following changes to beer excise rules. An ATO spokesman confirmed that any venue filling growlers will need to have a manufacturing and excise license which is not so much a problem for brew pubs yep, where they're, they're brewing their own beer and they have a well, consumer-facing tap room, which presumably have the correct licence relating to their brewery operations, but more so for venues serving craft beer in growlers poured from containers taxed at the concession rate. And yep. this, I think, is where the concession the story rate comes is, is, in. Is a, yeah. so, so talk us through us, Matt. I'm a, I'm a brewer and you're a venue. So, so I, I, I brew my beer, I send it out in 50-litre kegs, assuming that it's going to be sold, a pot, a schooner, a pint at a time. And As me, a tap beer. Yep. yep. And me putting that in a 50-litre container. Now, if you put that in a sealed container, and, and, and that's the thing. So if you put in a growler, a cannibal, um crowler, whatever you want to call it, that becomes a remanufacture and a repackaging of that product. So if you sell it in a pot and you drink it at the pub, perfectly fine. If you put it in another package that can be sealed... And you take it home for re so resale for for yeah resale that is so is the issue that I've paid the ATO the concession rate on the on the fifty liter because the the key of it is tap beer is charged at a lower excise rate than a three thirty mil bottle a three three seventy five mil can or a carton yeah carton or a carton of beer whatever so if you're putting it in a growler it should be taxed at the same rate as a six pack of beer. The high rate. Yeah, okay. So, okay. Yep, yep. Um, now. So, is there a way around it? So, for... so, so effectively, you're remanufacturing that beer is, is the way the ATO looks right. at it in this very legalistic way. And that old Latin adage, you know, ignoratio non excusa. Is this just that brewers or venues didn't know that they weren't allowed? 
to do well, this? Or is there a way around it? Or, or but, but it highlights a ridiculous system that we're under with just with beer. Like, don't talk about the difference for wet taxes and spirits taxes. Let's just look at beer. That you've got two different tax rates for beer. So a, a keg and a bottle are taxed differently. Differently. Why? There historic. There's a reason. There is an article on the the website that Dr. Brett Stubbs wrote oh, okay. explaining that, and we probably should link to that in in the show mm. notes. But it, it it it's just ridiculous. The only way that I can think to get around it, and it, please listeners, if you know better the the, the tax laws than I do, um, please let me know. But as I understand it, that if if I've got a venue and I want to fill growlers from a specific tap, I can phone my local brewery and say, I want to buy a keg of beer that I want to put into a growler. just for growlers. So when you send it to me, you charge me, instead of the the $280, you charge me the $302. Okay. And charge the higher tax So you're charging me at the, if it was a X number of six packs, rather than one 50-litre keg. 50 litres of six packs as opposed to a 50-litre keg. 50 litres in... Six packs. Okay, that's my understanding. Um, now the, the 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 problem is, and you touched on it, that if you're a brew pub, and a lot of brew pubs, you know, they've got their bank, their their wall of taps, um, and they fill a schooner. Yep. And then someone and comes I, in. I come in. I've got my. They, they've got brand the growler, growler. I come in every week, and I can choose whatever one. I don't now. I don't. I don't choose from the growler tap. That one point eight liters uh, that's coming out of that tap, the the brewery has obviously recorded that as a keg of beer. So it's at the concessional rate, and how how does how do they then account for that one one point eight liter or one liter cannibal or whatever it is um, for for the ATO? So if, if I'm the, the ATO investigator, I take a growler and say, "Could you fill this?" So they'll go, "Well, tell us about that." And it and it, it it's just ridiculous. It's a minefield. I, I heard... Um, and, and I think that I've got that right, but I, I would love to... Look, as all of the comments on the Facebook page said, it is so complicated and it's ridiculously complicated. We asked the ATO, what about this situation? What about this situation? They kept sending us the same chunk of text um, back because they don't want us to Straight say... from the regulations. That they don't want to say without this is saying, okay. Well, this, this is, is why a, we've done it. It's always been this way. Yep. No, it's too hard to change. Yep. So, so that you've got to read that and divine exactly what it means. And it's so complicated. Fun fact, something like 80% of Australia's tax revenue comes from 10% of, of different taxes. So all these other... The, the 20% of our uh, tax revenue comes from mm. masses of all these different... So there's no reason why we can't simplify it, but for whatever reason, either the ATO or government legislators, whoever it might be, the powers that be aren't going to make things easier for us. And, and it, look, to, to be honest, there's part of me... You know, like I'm not a storm the barricades anti-government person by any stretch of the imagination. We should all pay because we all use hospitals and roads and yep. things like that. But there's part of me that sort of thinks that, well, look, the, if there are discretionary taxes on things like alcohol um, and I can choose to pay tax or not, that's up to me. I'd, I'd rather do that than just sort of have a hand in my pocket every pay packet. Um, yep. But, yep. but it's a hard one. It is. And the alternatives are uh, are fairly bleak as well. Um, Not bleak was the announcement this week from the Brewers Association in the US reporting that they um, have shown continued growth for small and independent brewers. Growth for small and independent craft brewers remained steady for the first half of 2019, according to the new mid-year metrics released by the Brewers Association. 
Uh, the quote, growth continues to follow a similar pattern we've seen in the past few years with steady rates in the low to mid single digits, said Bart Watson, chief economist of the Brewers Association. So good news. Oh, t- t- terrific news. Sorry, I'm just keeping an eye on uh, um, social media as, as we chat and Rob McDonald has posted a Brews News bingo in anticipation of this week's episode that has <laughs> punters, fad, apropos, brew dog, shower beer, booze, smashable pastry stout, shouting at clouds, yaddler, muzzin hudger, fair, milkshake IPA, soapbox, exploding cans and brew. Well, I was going to talk about brew. but oh, it- And Michael Morgan has said, oh, please put in flog voice. <laughs> <laughs> and we aren't going to deep dive into that one. Oh, well, I did, well, I, I, I did a voice earlier on, but it wasn't the flog it voice. It wasn't the flog no, voice. No, it was, a, it was an old mate who drinks, you know, uh, Carton Draft. Carton Draft, yeah, mate. Yeah, Anyway, um, no. yeah, so, so, look. Growth, good, good to see. Good to see growth. When you dig a little bit deeper into the figures, a thousand additional breweries over this time last year. Um, the regional breweries are still finding it very, very difficult, which is where the bigger breweries in Australia really, really need to... Uh, We'll be looking... Tread, tread carefully or be, be wary. That glass ceiling. So this is kind of like so your tap room, your small, um, your, your, your local pub kind of thing. Very, very that, small, that yeah. just wants to be within its own area. Probably a fairly good model. It was interesting to hear that when you dig into the feature, and it, it's very complicated um, data, but Bart Watson did, sort of did say you need to sort of calculate the number of breweries... There, there is a tendency for the breweries that are having a good year to report and the breweries that are having a bad year not to report. So you need to take that into account when right. you're um, calculating it. So anyway, look, beer is still in growth, which is a good thing. Um, but it's, it, it's be careful out there. It's, you know, be safe out there. That's it. A uh, couple of things I'm surprised didn't turn up on uh, the predicted Bruce News bingo. I think we've already covered booze. We covered punters. Well, given brew, there was a big story on brew. Gonna, we'll talk about brew because then I'm going to throw talk in the flog ex- voice. But we did talk about exploding cans We already. did talk about exploding cans. Done that. So, Rob, apropos, you've, you've, you've done I, beautifully. Do I say apropos a bit? Maybe I do. Oh, maybe I say I, apropos. But we don't say brew dog because we say the Scottish brewery. The Scottish brewery. <laughs> that's right. Uh, but We don't say booze. We don't say smashable. No, it always comes up. No, not smashable. Most other podcasts, um, you could just have a 16, like 4 by 4 square bingo card that just has the word delicious so i don't know whether smashable and delicious are the same you know interchangeable necessarily but matt i do need to ask two things that i don't think are on there one would be tea and the other would be chuck norris (laughs) um vb vbt we we talked about it last week and that's Uh, not a euphemism it's not an an acronym so victoria bitter Tea. tea leaves. I, I did order tea some. Days. Now I've sent some to a couple of our subscribers that um, we, we yeah, that showed have, an interest. Yes, that, that showed an interest, and we have a couple. Why, of, why did you have to order it? Was it not available? Oh, it sold out. Like I, 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 I got so it. Did it? Was it not on on, on retail shelves? Was this only no, a, no, like it, an online, on their online shop? Ah, okay. so yes. Yeah, so, so I, I bought my little box of it. Um, haven't tried it yet. I'm waiting for you to sort of come. So we tomorrow morning, <laughs> um, first day of the echo, we'll try it. Okay. Um, now, Chuck Norris... Review to follow. Now, that's how contemporary this podcast is. Um, just this afternoon... Matt was getting a haircut, folks, and I was flicking through social media, and what popped up on my feed, but a meme, since deleted... Uh, Which is always a sign, that when they delete it, 
they know they've done the wrong thing. Well, now, and this is the thing. So is this a bit of tone deafness? Is this not reading the room? Or is this... They just if posted we do their some... apology. Sorry, they're, they're oh, okay. sort of keeping on it. So they've just posted their apology. So Post has been deleted. For those who didn't see it, it was a, a meme basically saying that you know Chuck Norris uh, goes to a feminist rally and he gets his shirt ironed and a sandwich. Look... So does that does that? There are two ways you can take it, in terms of well, is there what is the what is the purpose of the the meme? Because Chuck Norris, presumably, very well known as an action man's action man, um, martial arts expert, action. There are a whole lot of star. there are a whole lot of memes like there are a whole lot of memes featuring Chuck, Chuck Norris, Norris. Where I don't always I, I don't always I do, but when I do this happens. And you know, like, I just don't think memes are clever or funny. You know, every now and then you sort of see one and go, "Actually, that's one that I'll share." But it's, it's, it's so very rare. And humour. The... Now, this one in particular, I know that it's going to get some people very, very upset. For me, it shows a a complete lack of reading the room. You're just not reading the room if you post that. Secondly, so you're you're making the assumption that that it's not deliberate. No, look, I don't think... I, see, I don't we'll think, do it. I think it's... We'll pull it down, and in a week everyone's forgotten about no, no, it. No, 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 because people but don't... But we get everyone talking. Because I think the way that people have been beaten, you know, the, 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 the way people have suffered so badly for their businesses for posting this sort of stuff, you wouldn't do... This isn't the way that you get um, cheap publicity. You, you, you don't... So it's not, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's not... It's not all it's publicity not with good, a stick. It's not... It's not any publicity is good okay. publicity. Yeah, yeah. I, no. I really don't think that. But in terms of posting things that people might think are a little bit edgy or a little bit okay, it, it, look, it's just not, quite apart from not reading the room and, and the, the current climate, if there's anyone out there that doesn't want a broader church for beer when they've invested a lot of money into their brewery or their business or whatever, they're just an idiot. They just really are. And this isn't anything that doesn't bring more people to the industry is bad for the industry and you know look you you can debate the merits of humor and things like that it's a bit like beauty it's in the eye of the beholder and and you could and it's your age and your vintage and sometimes i think we are a little bit too sensitive about some things i'm not saying about this case because i exactly get the uh, i completely get the understanding the, the 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 problem with this but if we're using marketing, if we're using memes, if we're using social media, if we're using you know all of these things that are making people feel craft beer isn't for me, then it's not good for anybody. Um, and it's not good for the industry, it's not good for your business, it's not good for the beer drinkers, it's not good for your supporters, and it's not good for all the people that we want to welcome to our church. Because come in, it's a fun place to be and it's an inclusive place to be. That's what we want it to be. And this was just such a tone-deaf, stupid, ignorant, um, uninclusive meme that it... And like you say, not the first. So it's not like, well, okay, well, you know, we were the first ones to overstep the boundary. It's not the worst. Yeah, and, no, and, no, and, no, and certainly not, not the worst. worst but if at the you same didn't time... Know, yeah, if you didn't know the five or six that have come before it and the backlash... The outrage that that yeah created, then yeah, you, 
And anyway, so so the uh, we now have the uh, handwritten photographed um, apology. Dear craft beer drinkers and IBC supporters. So basically, it's not even addressed to the people that he offended because, it, well, potentially... Well, they could be. Or, or the people they that we want be. to become craft beer drinkers. We sincerely apologise for the offence caused, at least acknowledge it was offence caused, by our recent Chuck Norris post. It is a meme not created by us. doesn't matter. Um, on reflection, it was not a good decision to repost, and it certainly does not reflect the views and beliefs of IBC. I'm sorry, you, you, that, that, that's weasel. That's, you, you don't get to say that. No, no. If you, if you put it out if, under, if you put under it your out banner, there, then it's it's reflective of your of your business. Of your sense of humour. Um, actions have been taken to ensure this doesn't happen again. <laughs> actions have been taken. Sorry, and I hope to see you soon. Regards, Dave McGrath. Okay. Not the worst apology either. No, no. no and look, a far quicker turnaround than we've seen... From some, um, and interesting, yeah, the handwritten, yeah. Anyway, for what be, it's be, worth. best moved on. Let's just be better, as Jane said, and we've had fantastic um, feedback. Jane um, is going to be on our uh, craft, our, our Bruce News Bingo. Oh, okay. <laughs> Jane Lewis is going to be our Bruce News Bingo. Um, as Jane said, just don't be a dick. Which couldn't, seems which seems very have, gendered. Couldn't have said it. <laughs> in, in, in fact, yeah, in fact, that we really should make that into a label, and and have it added um, to our. You know, if we ever make produce, RTA clear again, and don't be a dick. That's it. Exactly. What's and next, Pete? Let, lazy is lazy. Um, if we were to get those labels done, I would be calling one three hundred eight five two two three five and calling the good friends at Rellings Labels and Stickers. Um, Speaking of people that aren't dicks. Exactly, because they're not dicks, and uh, they will help you discover a more efficient way to get your small batch canning labels done. They're very good people, very supportive of the industry, and they will be down at uh, They will have a presence at Brewcon. Come down and see them. See them live. You've, you've heard them on the podcast? You've heard them. Actually, you haven't heard them. You've heard us talk about them on the podcast. Exactly. Go hear them. And in real life. IRL. The one other story that we need to do, because we've got an insert, Holgate. Holgate. Uh, equity crowdfunding. Yeah. Holgate... It, Love Holgate. Um, Paul and Natasha have done really well uh, about an hour northeast of Melbourne it, in Woodend. And interestingly, because uh, I, I was speaking to Paul many years ago now, and he was sort of saying, you know, we needed to rebrand, we needed to look at what we were doing. We looked at Cam and Dave at Mountain Goat started only less than a year before they did. Was there such a difference between that regional setting versus the inner city. Obviously, you know, Mountain Goat had advantages um, and the, the legendary, you know, um, bar nights uh, at, oh, the, yeah. at the Goat Brewery. So many... Just helped being to outside build your and all brand. That sort of thing. Yeah. Major regional brewery. Look, I have to say I was very, very surprised when the media, media release landed in my um, inbox saying that they were doing it. I thought... Because as people weighed in on social media, haven't they received a government grant recently for their expansion? There was a government grant, but there was also a fairly substantial interest-free loan. loan. Um, uh, well, and a, just a regular loan, loan that they they took out as well to, okay. to update the brewery. Yep. And then there's the like the visitor centre side of things, which was part of I think I'm going to say tourism Victoria. Yep. I think, um, or at, or at least you know regional tourism somewhere along the way. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's a difficult 
it's a you, you don't expect it of such a mature brewery. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so on one hand, you, you just don't expect it. Um, you don't expect it when someone's uh, expanded, and it, it, it's also like it. It, it does send an interesting signal to the market because you, you see a lot of startups. Um, you know what was that sushi pizza business that? And 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 it is such a speculative thing that it was a surprise that you see a business like Holgate that is so well established going down this path. Um, but anyway, look, who, who knows? As it, equity crowdfunding is risky, no matter how it's done. Um, but I, I did catch up with Paul very quickly during the week just to ask him some of these questions and get his perspective. And if you've got any questions, here is uh, Paul talking about their decision to equity crowdfund. Equity crowdfunding is something that you see a lot of the young startups, you know, and, and the, the riskier businesses starting. And so it, it, it's seen in a certain element or potentially yep. seen in a certain element. And it was a bit of a surprise that Holgate, which is you know, the, um, I, I don't know how to describe you as One of the old times of the industry, but <laughs> 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 offending. Yeah. Pioneer, mate. Pioneer is the word Pioneer, we use. Pioneering, bro. Okay. okay. One of the pioneers. That's a, that's a positive spin. Yeah, old timers might not be the Elder states <laughs> people, word. I was going to say, but uh, and it's purely in comparative terms. Yeah. But anyway. And look, I suppose in a way, that, to answer your question, in a way we are going through a, a reboot and a, start, and a restart of our business. with the We've got our ambitious plans, and I suppose... Quite a few years ago, in the early teens, um, early mid teens, we had to make a decision whether we would, you know, um, look at um, look at uh, growth and um, and invest in um, in um, expansion of our brewing capacity. Um, and if we did that, how would we do it? Um, by moving off site and then renting industrial estate somewhere, or by by building and constructing on our own property, and we own the freehold here. So. Um, and if we weren't going to, we're going to target growth, then, you know, with the uh, onslaught of the big brands coming through America and with so many new brewers and startups in, um, in Australia, would we then just, in, if we weren't going to grow, then deliberately contract and just become a brew pub only? So I suppose we were facing those sort of um, um, existential sort of um, um, questions. And um, we obviously took the path that we always wanted to do, which was develop our own here and be a single single site um, uh, brewery and brew at our at our spiritual home and keep on keep on growing here. And that's one of the reasons why we bought this hotel back in 2002 um, because of the land associated with it. It was originally the um, you know the Cobb and Co. Uh, stopover to the Bendigo Goldfield, so it had big big land out the back with stables and all that. So we were able to build on there. I suppose we've done one of the one of the things that a few other breweries have done, which is um, uh, construct a building, purpose-built building on their own site, on their own freehold. So we've basically invested in, in, in our own property. Um, and being a family business, I suppose we haven't, um, um, you know, been un- undercapitalized all these years, um, particularly for marketing and so on. So yeah, so so doing the crowdfunding is a is a way of um, of uh, of raising funds um, as a bit of a, a bit of a re- reboot, um, re- re- uh, restarting of our business. Yeah, for sure. Now, you've recently done that, that, that big expansion. Um, can, can I ask how you funded that um, expansion? Was it the, the traditional way of going to the bank cap in hand? Yeah, pretty much. Um, I suppose it was a combination of, um, of going to the bank cap in hand and, um, and if you like, we are up to the hilt um, with the bank. <laughs> um, our, um, after 20 years, our, uh, our house is still on the line um, in the mix. 
and um, and we also got government grant from the state government of Victoria for a um, uh, tourism uh, grant that, that went into the pot as well, which was quite substantial, and um, we're sort of still still working our way through that. Um, but yeah, so so we funded that way. But I suppose one of the things is that the um, the scope of the project when we first planned it back in 2014, which was you know as I said constructing a building, so that 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 took up a lot of our ability to to borrow more money or our ability to put money into plant equipment the construction of the new building itself. But, you know, we're planning ahead for the next 20 years. Um, but when we, when we, when we um, drew up the scope of the project, what we, what we were about, it didn't include canning, for instance, back then, you know, five, six years ago. So um, come full circle, well, the, the canning um, uh, uh, rebellion is, uh, is in full swing and, um, and we need to, um, you know, to have uh, uh, a canning uh, line in our mix. So, so part of the crowdfunding is saying, okay, we don't want to borrow any more money, but um, you know, we want to we want to um, engage with our fan base. Um, it's going to be a great uh, marketing campaign um, to get uh, an army of um, ambassadors and supporters um, uh, on board, as well as um, funding things like like uh, canning canning machine and packaging equipment that wasn't on on the original scope. And some great other stuff we'd like to do too, like solar with the new building. Um, the roof of roof of our new building is just begging to be covered with solar panels, and we'd love to brew, you know, all, all through the power of the sun and save money and help the environment at the same time. Um, so yeah, there's a few there's a few um, other bits and pieces that we'd really love to do to drive the business forward for the next the next 20 years. So we've got the brewing capacity on board um, with the um, with part of the new new project. So our, our brewing capacity is um, is set, um, and that's uh, and that's. Uh, significant and fantastic, but that finishing capacity and canning and so on, um, we'd uh, like to move forward with as well. Now, the the, the um, risks of uh, equity crowdfunding are, are, are well known. Um, that the benefits are often, you know, you get to f- have that ownership, um, that skin in the game element of having a, a share in a brewery. Beyond those two things, what do uh, people who invest in Holgate, um, what are they going to get? What are the benefits in uh, putting their money in and going for the ride with you? So hopefully it's going to be an absolutely fun journey um, and, uh, you know, fans will get the chance to, um, you know, experience and be involved in the in, in the workings of a, of a, of a craft brewery. Um, so that's, that's for starters. Um, and as you said, it is it is re- real equity, so um, we're not asking for donations. So people will be will be buying shares exactly the same class of ordinary shares that um, Tash and I, as the founders, some have. Um, so we're not promising a dividend straight away, but certainly I want to get I want to get paid a dividend when uh, when we start filling <laughs> up this, this this capacity. So if I'm going to get paid a dividend, then um, everyone else will as well. So there's that there's that um, that uh, incentive uh, d- down the track. But on top of that, we're offering a whole range of um, fantastic rewards and other incentives to people coming on board, and they'll they'll become known um, uh, later on in the in the investment campaign. But um, obviously, besides the uh, traditional merchant stuff, we've got a we've got a hotel with um with a lot of uh, uh, retail incentives that we can offer uh, weekend uh, weekend getaway packages and discount cards and um, access to um, to special releases, brew days, a whole range of stuff. Um, VIP incentives that we'll be we'll be offering um, potential investors as well. Wonderful. Well, good luck with the uh, equity crowdfund. Now you're only opening expression of interest, and I've just seen that the uh, article went live on the site. So you've got about a month to get an idea of how much interest there is in the yep. uh, in, in people becoming involved, and then it, yep. it opens officially. 
and then it opens officially. So this is at this stage, there's no commitment. Um, people just, uh, if they're interested, just send your email, and um, and then uh, we'll be in touch um, um, towards the end of this month um, when the investment stage goes live. And when the investment stage goes live, that's when um, it's announced about um, the uh, rewards and incentives that investors will get, um, exactly how much we're going to be raising, and um, and that that sort of thing. So yeah, all the all the financial stuff will be available down, down the track. Terrific. Well, all the very best with the uh, equity crowdfunding, Paul. Thanks, Matt. Cheers, mate. There we go. So that was Paul Holgate. Look, again, I, I love the brewery, love the beer. Um, and I, It's a terrific brand. It's a strong brand. And I love so much about Paul's at it. Like, Paul's got that contrarian. Like, no, no, not contrarian. He does it his way. Yeah. Um, yeah. And now, Steadfast rather than stubborn. Yeah. But the question is, is that the sort of brand that you want you, you just get a feeling that it's young kids, social media friendly, you know, popping out the, the, the updates and stuff like that on Instagram, LinkedIn and stuff like that. And that's not Holgate and for, for them to do it. But anyway, that was Paul Holgate explaining it. And uh, yeah, um, let us know what you think as always in, in the mailbag and we'll go back to the mailbag. Exactly. We will dive into the mailbag now. Now, our first one came from, um, now I think she might be, this is the first time this person's contributed. It's uh, a Joe from Brisbane. That wouldn't be our producer, Joe Helder, would it? <laughs> it could be. Um, Coors Light. Now, we don't often speak about American brands. We certainly don't speak a lot about American mainstream lager brands. Now, I will preface this by saying that we are, we, we, we've been trying to get our regular correspondent for all things marketing, uh, Zoe Ottaway, um, on, on the podcast last week and then this week. And there are a couple of topics that she would have been ideally placed for. And this is one of those. So... If it's next week, we might even try for next week. We'll try and arrange our echo schedule so we can chat oh, and have her getting on. Up. I can sense a, a getting up early in my future, <laughs> and I'm not convinced that I'm particularly happy about that. Uh, but yeah, Cause Light, um, quote, the official beer of being done wearing a bra. Hashtag Cause Light, hashtag made to chill. Having seen it, because it's, it's something that... One of the great limitations that we have, um, despite our years of experience um, writing about beer, is as we keep saying, we are two 50-year-old blokes. Um, we'll never know what it feels like. And this is where our much younger, um, much more female uh, editor, Joe, shared this with us because she said, you blokes will never know what this is like. And apparently getting home at the end of the day and unsnapping the bra and pulling it out you know getting it out and i still don't quite know how it's done but my partner does it sort of slips it over the arms and pulls it out through the the, the sleeves signifies the end of the day and so cause has made this part of their advertising and the the the, the feedback i haven't seen too and i haven't looked too much i have to say but all of the feedback i saw was it was a really really inclusive positive interesting way of engaging women in a beer brand not not the most exciting beer brand not the most exciting beer or anything like that and and that's why i think what caught joe's attention and why she brought it to our attention um she posted to us the um i think it was a facebook or instagram response to the ad um which said i think it's interesting that this ad is one very confidently directed at women two in a mundane that's right it was my yeah, Michael Kaiser. Uh, two, in a mundane context, very familiar to women. And three, seemingly without the normal assumed audience slash gaze of men. Very into this. 
Yeah, and, and Michael Kaiser, who's the publisher of um, Good Beer Hunting, um, very, very smart guy, very contrarian um, to, to the mainstream craft beer mindset. And so he shared that. And yeah, so again, I, I, look, I, honestly, I, I don't think that's something that we can talk about, but we do need a, a, a marketing person. And secondly, somebody who this is much more real for than us. But, but nice to see brewers are trying to be inclusive. From Scott John on, uh, on our Facebook group. Just came across this, shared in another group. Unbelievable that a brewer thinks they can get away with this, and more worryingly, it kind of seems as if they were, if they are, as the original brewery doesn't have the appetite for a protracted legal battle. It was Humboldt and Gauss. Where was it, an American? Is it American or? Uh, well, I thought it was English, but I might be wrong. But it's it's about Nipers, so I, I didn't dig. I, I, I didn't automatically dig too deep this, but, yeah. it, but it was a craft um, brewer who. Yeah, we've seen some of our fans get excited because apparently there's a new batch of populist out there, the New England Pale Ale that was our very first beer on the market. However, this isn't our beer. It's a bad batch we sent back to our contract brewer, and he names them, to be destroyed. And well, I guess he decided instead to sell it himself without us knowing. Uh, and so their ad comes up with Nipah, and then next to it, the rebranded two completely different looking, not a Nipah. Yeah, yeah. So, so two very different looking beers and whatever. Look, it, that's fraught. That's the, 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 I'm, I'm surprised. And again, I, I don't like to unless I've done even basic research. But it was just a very, very interesting piece and a, a great example of why our Facebook group is just proven to be uh, gold so thank you for bringing that to our attention Uh, that was uh, uh, Scott Scott John Liam J.F. Anderson on the Facebook business page a regular commenter yeah Um, as in not the 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 Facebook not the Facebook group yeah yeah uh, re-growler finds. The whole system seems unnecessarily Harking complicated to our... for producers and retailers and is bad for the consumer as it limits choice. Why have two rates in the first place? Well, hopefully we've kind of, I guess, discussed why it uh, it is, not necessarily why it should be. It's a, it doesn't necessarily explain the reasoning behind the ATO's original decision. But at least now we know, look, the law's there. Everyone, hopefully now... Uh, knows it. Um, Matt, letter of the week. Because our letter of the week, every week, all of our contributors, of course, will get a a Brews News bar blade. But one we shall choose. And I should just say, if you are a listener and we have mentioned you and you haven't received a bar blade, please, unprompted, just send us an email. Just prod. um, Give us a prod. With your postal address because sometimes we just move on. We we do have people, but the hamster still moves on the wheel slowly. Uh, and we do thank Beer Cartel, our very good friends at Beer Cartel, who sponsor our Letter of the Week. Uh, they will send one of our letter writers, letter writers, a six-pack of Australian. I don't think Liam J. F. Anderson beer. has uh, received. Has before. received before. We certainly can't give it to Joe. No, so so Liam J. F. Anderson, no, please send us your email, Liam J. F. Your Anderson. postal address. Congratulations. Uh, Matt, we need to move on because we've got a big week ahead of we us. We do have a big week and we've got dinner waiting for us. And we've got dinner waiting for us. And we've also slotted in a couple of chats with um, some teasers. For Well, we've spoken to Paul Holgate and we've also had a yep. little teaser grab from uh, Stephen Beaumont. If you haven't got your tickets already, folks, for BrewCon, get amongst it now. Get online and get your tickets. And come and see us. Yeah. Are they allowed to come up to the green room? It's not the same if we're not down on the floor. Oh, we'll be down on the floor. Okay. 
That's right. As long as we're, you know, of the people. I don't want to be up. No, 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 no. Well, I won't be anyway. I'm working. So You are. Well, I'm working too. What are you talking about? You sit on your rort and just pull people into the booth and have a chat and call it work. Um, But thank you very much to all of our sponsors, to Cryomalt, to Rellings Labels and Stickers, and to our very good friends at Beer Cartel for supporting this Good Brews Week. I've been your host, Pete Mitchum. He's been Matt Kierkegaard. We've been together. And it's... Uh, look, next week we'll be back again. I don't know Very in what time. condition. Yes. We could be just a little dusty, it's fair to say. Uh, it's a big week, a big 10 days ahead of us. But as I say, as good beer advocates, it's one of the most exciting times of the year to be able to If you are in Brisbane, really come, come and see and us. If you, yeah, and if you are in Brisbane uh, and you get a chance to come to the Echo, come and see us at Craft Beer Alley. Let us know that you're a... Um, Listener? A listener, and we might even just, you know, top your glass up. (laughs) Thanks very much uh, to all of you for listening and making this possible. And we'll see you all again next week. And we're out. Don't forget, if you like what we do here at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You'll find details in the show notes. You can also review us on iTunes or whatever your favourite podcasting service happens to be. Let us know what you think and help others find and discover our shows. Finally, you can tell us what you think about what's going on in the beer industry by emailing us at producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive in return, as by way of thanks, a Brews News bottle opener. And thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel, the letter of the week will receive a mixed six-pack of great Australian beer. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because, as you may have heard, beer is a conversation.